This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the MBSP Podcast, a proud member of the Bulldog Radio Podcast family. I'm Joe Nagy, along with my wonderful co-host, Brandon Wirth. Uh, today, Brandon, don't got Travis again with us, but hopefully he can get on soon and we can get some good banter. But Brandon, how are you doing, buddy? Doing great. Uh, obviously, we wish the other the other two could join us, but they have busy lives as well. So, And mm-hmm. we know they're doing nothing but great things right now in the world of baseball, as that's both of their internships. But Barrett, Travis, you guys awesome. listening... You're always welcome back, and we miss you guys. And I'm super excited because I know school is almost here, Joe. And when I know we were just talking about oh, yeah. this off air, but I mean, a only month a month and a half, and, a half, and, and we'll be back in the studio we'll grind. Be, we'll be back in the swing of it. But we have a packed show for you guys today. You got a little bit of NBA talk just right in the thick of it with the NBA Finals, as well as the Olympics coming up. So we're going to be talking about the Team USA drillers going on. Uh, also, All-Star Game wrapped up. Fresh off the All-Star break, got a great conversation about the MLB right now uh, between the two of us, and some NFL talk before the season starts up in a couple of months, and then to finally finish off, we got a great debate topic for you all. But Brandon, let's hop right into the NBA talk for today. Uh, series is tied 2-2, Bucks and Suns. Was not expecting this personally, but Brandon, what are your thoughts so far for Game 5? Man, I mean... Like, not going to lie, everything that we were talking about is after um, the last time we had this show, uh, after right after game one, where it was really kind of a nearly, I wouldn't say a full one-sided affair, but it certainly looked that way down the stretch. But now the defense of Milwaukee is clamped down. I mean, we've seen consecutive games where they've allowed them to 100 and 103 points, and they're really doing it on the defensive end, and that's exactly what they needed to do to really put a damper on this run for the Suns. Like, I mean, right now after game two, it was like, oh, this ain't looking too good. This might be an uncontested title going back to Arizona, but now it's looking a lot different. This team's, the Bucks, they're getting gritty. I mean, we saw we saw that incredible Gian- Giannis Atatacumbo's block. I mean, that that's just insane. I mean, that's sure. board, not, not going to lie, that was borderline, like, rivaling Le- LeBron's 2016 game seven block. Not going to yeah, say... That chase down block. Yeah, yeah, I think that one, like a lot of people, I think I would agree with like Giannis's move was a little, I think overall more like pure athleticism and pretty epic. But I think the magnitude of that LeBron James block is going to hold it all, always going to hold it higher. But still, I mean, impressive. And I think what I love so much about Giannis is like right now, his leadership has been incredible. Like he has really taken this team under his wing. And I mean, He's not necessarily been the guy, the top guy in the score chart. I mean, obviously, Chris Middleton's been lighting it up a little bit over the last couple of games. So, yeah. but he's been that guy that's held this team together, and he's been the guy in the meeting room saying, "Hey, this is our chance. This is what we got to do. We got to work together." And they're certainly doing just that. And I mean, that 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 show on the defensive end is really is really showing it. And I mean, right now we're looking at a game five coming up tomorrow night on Saturday. Uh, as we're recording this on Friday, and it's going to be super exciting. It's going to be an electric atmosphere, and we know that these fans are getting a treat for the finals. It's going to be really fun to see. Totally. And, I mean, you even said that Chris Middleton kind of started to pop off a little bit last game. He had a 40-burger, 
which was insane, along with, I think, Giannis had about 20. So when you have those two guys combining for almost over half the points of your team, you're definitely going to be able to do well. And it's good, too, because Chris Middleton had a little bit of a slow start for this finals. Giannis was kind of the one picking it up, and then now that he's hit his stride, especially going back to Arizona, it's going to be really good for them coming into this. But, I mean, Devin Booker, didn't he drop like 42 last game? Pretty close, yeah. Yeah, especially you do that in Milwaukee. A great fan base there is there. And to come into a hostile environment like that, I'm very excited to see what they're going to be able to do when they come back uh, to Phoenix. And what and honestly, if they're going to be able to pick it up, if the Bucks and Giannis and Middleton are going to be able to stay solid and be able to continue this defensive prowess that they have going on, or if Chris Paul is going to be able to pick it up a little bit more, Devin Booker can stay hot, Andre Crow- Jay Crowder and DeAndre Ayton can kind of hold it down in the paint a little bit, kind of pick up their defensive abilities. We'll see what happens. But nonetheless... It's just going to be a very exciting, a pretty unexpected final so far. We definitely thought it was going to go maybe five games, six games at most. We still have the six-game possibility, uh, but still, it's super exciting to see where this has the possibility to go uh, in terms of uh, the outcome. Oh, yeah. I mean, not going to lie, my, I, I was not really feeling my Game 7 prediction on the last show. Like, I don't know, the way Suns played, and especially how they came in Game 2, and... <laughs> just swept the floor easily with with against Milwaukee. Yeah. Now it's changed. This this series really has changed. I mean, Boonholzer and that defense have really clamped down and they've really given these Suns offensive studs some struggle. I mean, Chris Paul hasn't had the the type of games that he's been accustomed to having especially on his home floor in the death, or in the in the valley, but it's just been a weird I don't want to say like a weird turnaround, but I mean, it's revolved a lot around home court. Like it seems like this is going to be a home court advantage series. Like we we literally on paper, two straight games for Phoenix at home. And now Milwaukee takes two at their home arena. Now, now that's just going to be, is that going to tell the tale of the series? And we're going to see the Suns win out in game seven. I don't know. Someone's going to have to break that, especially if you're Milwaukee. I mean, obviously if you're you're Phoenix. You definitely want that outcome because you're gonna win. But I mean, it's just a really interesting thing. And I really, I really looked into what Chris Paul said, and we've like seen Chris Paul in high levels of like playoff basketball. I mean, obviously with the runs that he had with um, James Harden and Houston, definitely had that chip on their shoulder every year of being, oh, they're a regular season team. They're not gonna show up. And now that he's in there, he's got that 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 mentality of you know what? We had a bad night. Let's shake it off. Let's forget it. And we're going to move on and move forward. And it's always to the next game. And we've seen that a little bit from Giannis, too. I mean, honestly, like talking about that block from earlier, I mean, everybody keeps asking about it. Like, why not? It's journalism gold to hear about this amazing block that happened on television that millions of people have seen, of course. But he's like, yeah, I mean, I don't live in the past. People that live in the past have egos. Whoa, this is coming from a young star, two-time MVP. That's some leadership ability. Seeing both of these teams being led by these veteran, talented players, absolutely fun to see, and it's just going to become a great series down the stretch. I think I'm going to still hold Joe with the Suns in seven, but, man, it's going to be an exciting seven if we get there. Yeah, I can't wait to see some good basketball. But, Brandon, a little bit of basketball that we haven't seen that's been so, uh, I wouldn't say good, is Team USA basketball. They have just been uh, a little bit, we'll say bad. Let's just not sugarcoat it. They've it's been bad, bad so yeah. far. Their exhibition games have not been promising so far. I mean, I think we lost Nigeria. The team, I will say, is not as 
star-studded as it usually is. There's some guys who I didn't think. There's some. I mean, LeBron James is sitting out. Steph Curry is sitting out. I mean, the main guys I think are Kevin Durant and I can't even under. I don't even know who else is on the team. Just to show you how not really a lot of superstar talent is on the team this year, but we can take a little bit of uh, comfort knowing that the team Olympics haven't really done well in exhibition games. It takes them a little bit to gel together. They're not usually playing together. They're not in the same conferences, stuff like that. But what do you think, Brandon? Do you think USA might find kind of drizzle out as not the powerhouse of basketball anymore? Is our country's kind of starting to catch up to catch up to the USA or what do you think is going to happen? Oh man, this is a really like, this is bizarre. We're not used to this. A loss in expect exhibition game. It's not like we've got a perfect record. It's not like we're on the pressure of UConn's ladies team of winning consecutive games for how many years? I mean, it's been like yeah. that. I mean, I looked up the numbers. We're now 54 and four in exhibition games since the year 1992. Like that's how dominant we've been. But two of those losses now have came in this calendar year and in the last two weeks. Like <laughs> that's a little concerning. Not and I mean, great. Yeah, I mean, this team still has a lot of stars to the talent. I mean, we had Kevin Durant. We had Bradley Beal, but now he's going to be out. And, I'm, of course, our also main Detroit Piston, Jeremy Grant, is also going to be leaving the team due to COVID oh. protocols and, and yeah, health issues. Bummer. But, I mean, I'm, I mean, we'll get into that later. But, I mean, we still have a lot of star-studded young players. I mean, we got Jason Tatum. We got Damian Lord on this team. I mean, on paper, this team should not be beat, like not be beat, especially by a Nigerian team. The Australian team, I can see a little bit because they got some veteran sneaky guys like Ingles and Patty Mills that can still do some damage right now in 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 their careers. But, or I mean, it's just really strange to see. And I think that the Australia game lost really was just kind of a a snowball effect from that Nigeria game, just because like the 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 fact of this team like 83 points for this team is not good like it's a subpar afternoon at best like this team has not anywhere close to that yeah not anywhere close to that london olympics where we i think we scored like 200 points or something like that it's nowhere close to the firepower that we're used to seeing not even close and i mean we we had some studs on that team i mean just say the two kobe lebron and you're already understanding what kind of what kind of star-studded firepower he had on? I mean, that team was rivaling the Dream Team back in '92. So, I mean, and and also '96. But it's just been it's been a weird. And I don't think I don't think we hit the panic button just yet. I think we chill out just for a little while. Again, these are exhibition games. We're still working some stuff out. And I know Greg Popovich is probably trying different schemes. And we haven't played some guys some games. We've given a lot of the younger guys also some exposure during this time as well. I mean, we brought up Keldon Johnson up to this team. And instead of Trey Young, I had a couple question marks about that. But I'm um, so we can get in that in a minute. But I think we're going to be okay. I don't want to hit the panic button yet. I mean, if we end up going into round one and losing out, then I'll say hit the panic button moving forward. But for now, I'm going to say hold off for just a minute. Because I think Pop and this team know the magnitude when the real stage is set, not these exhibition-friendly games, I think that they'll step up to the challenge. But you're gonna be, I'm going to be a little concerned going in for sure. Yeah, I mean, when you look back, though, like the 2012 Olympics, 2016 and stuff, like we had, you know, LeBron James, Steph Curry. We had basically 
talks is, is this the dream team number two for basically the last two Olympics that we've had? Now this year, it's not really the same. So if you, when you just look at it, you also have to kind of bring into the fact that the world is also catching up to USA basketball. If you look at the NBA today, there's more and more foreign players that are starting to be the star-studded, you know, base of the game. I mean, Luka Doncic is one. I mean, the Joker is starting to pull up too. Uh, you got Ben Simmons and stuff like that that aren't American. I mean, you have a lot of guys who uh, are are really starting to take over with the NBA. And now that they go back to their home countries, it's going to be a little bit tough for us to play. Now, of course, I mean, when we play Nigeria, we should be able to beat them. But it also begs the question is, is USA, how much longer is the USA team and how much longer is USA going to be the main destination for basketball? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I mean, I when I look at international basketball, there's a couple teams that jump out to me that I'm always a, slightly concerned about going into Olympic Games. Uh, France was one of them. I mean, Tony Parker always had that team rolling going in. Argentina. And I mean, the funny part is those two teams I just mentioned with Argentina and Manu Ginobili is like Popovich, Popovich coach teams or players. And it's kind of funny now that those teams are going out there against Pop, but obviously not with Tony Parker, Mano Ginobili as a retired. Yeah. But I, I can agree. I, I love the point you just made because it's totally true. International game is getting more and more, um, more and more exposure, especially in the NBA. And these guys are evolving to incredible basketball players. I mean, the two names you just mentioned, and then you throw in Giannis, who is from Greece. Those guys, absolutely phenomenal yeah. basketball players. And it'd be really fun to see. Um, the United States, uh, like United States versus world, not necessarily the young stars, but actual all stars. I think that'd be a kind of a really unique idea. Um, but I think this is going to be, um, I think this will be a challenge. I think there might be a little bit of holding your head too high going in because obviously we are the USA and we're all we've been the best basketball team for decades almost. And the fact is, like, we've really been so high up like any downspurt any loss it it's just a trashed season and it's kind of it feels that way right now because we have such high expectations with this team the star-studded talent the team going in with coaching staff the ability that we can have to adapt and it's just not been shown so far because we've had bad we haven't gotten it done so far in exhibition games and obviously those aren't as important but it just gets you a little concerned, and I mean, I'm a little bit concerned right now. I mean, the U.S. women also lost to Australia over the over the last, up two days ago, I believe it was. A little concerning there as well, but then I think it is exhibition games, and obviously we know that exhibition games are kind of like summer AAU. You play them, but they don't have the same significance as a regular season high yeah. school game on your home it's floor. More of it's just a lot a, different. Get warmed up and mess around and try to gel with the guys as much as you can before before the real deal goes. I mean, yeah, like you said, it's just exhibition. So once the actual Olympics goes down and there's a gold medal on the line and the reputation for Team USA is on the line, you know they're going to be able to play well. I mean, look back at, I think it was, what, 2018 FIBA or whatever, the U.S. team. We we didn't play well in our exhibition games last time, but we made it to the gold medal. And of course, we lost, but it still was it still is a testament. We'll be able to pick it up. We'll be able to play better, but it's just right now a little bit concerning. Yeah, we'll definitely look that forward. But, of course, we're going to be repping the U.S. of A for sure going into oh, the Olympics. no doubt. No doubt. 100%. But into the yeah, final no NBA topic, while we're just talking about USA basketball and mentioning the name Damian Lillard, there's a lot of reports going around right now over the last couple of days about 
Is this his time to move on from the Trailblazers amidst the Chauncey Billups hiring and the previous unsuccessful playoff runs in Portland? Joe, is Damian Lillard going to be a Blazer next year, or is he going to start a new chapter in his basketball career? I would love to see Damian Lillard stay just because I feel like he's kind of a homer, you know? Like, he's he'll stay there for the long haul. He's, I mean, he was basically there for the franchise turnaround, you know? Like, he was one of their – one of their first like first round picks was one of the faces of the franchise was going to get a team built around him, had a team get built around him. But then, you know, it's just that they're in the Western conference. It's such a tough conference to get ahead and to prevail through. This was the year that they could have done it, especially with the, with the lackluster performance by, you know, uh, Lakers and all the other team and like Clippers and stuff like that. But I'm hoping that he stays because I think the situation in the, in and the people around him in uh, Portland is a good fit for him. But I wouldn't be surprised, and I wouldn't blame him if he wanted to go somewhere where he might have a little bit more help other than C.J. McCollum, because when it comes down to it, game time can only be the reason for you guys to win so many times. But once you get to that point where you're relying on him every time, it takes a different breed to be able to have that success 100% of the time. But Damian Lillard, he's been able to do that. But I'll be honest, it's going to be different to see him in a different uniform other than Portland, but I wouldn't be surprised if he did decide to go to a different place. But hopefully he stays just for the fact that there's not a lot of guys who stay with one team their entire seat. Or, excuse me, I'm speaking too fast for the, for the thoughts that are going in my head. There's not a lot of guys who we see that are um, sticking it out with one team throughout their whole entire career because they're so you know fixated on that loyalty aspect. And you know I'm hoping that Damian Lillard stays that way, but – Blame him wants to get some more help uh, and change the ring. Yeah, and I think the the big thing to put into perspective is like you're like Damian and CJ have been riding this this team on the train tracks for the last five, six, seven years. Like they, it's either they're on and they make a run, or they're off and it's over. And I think that at some point. I, I think you're right. Dame is definitely a loyal guy because he could have gotten out a lot quicker and easier like a lot of other players did. But he's been he's he's stuck in Oregon and he's been the face of this team and he enjoys the city and he loves being a blazer. And I think the fact that he comes out and he says that or there's the reports going around and that he's going to he wants to out he wants to get traded and this is all happening after the billups hire does he hate the billups hired is there something with the management of course all of these red strings are getting crossed the map instantly all this is going on and then reports happen of course but the thing that he comes out and he says that he thinks that this team needs a new head coach that um i believe his comments were along the lines of um, I think this team's not ready to win a championship yet. I think it's time that we need a new change as a head coach. I'm not sure if the head coach is really the, the biggest issue. More or less, like, well, they need some more players. And I'm not saying the players they have right now are bad. I mean, they have some have some studs on that team, obviously. I mean, Norman Powell as well is a really good complimentary player. We mentioned CJ already. Mm-hmm. I mean, Nurkic was pretty much... On the limb, a lot of part of the season, he wasn't as effective as when he was even on the floor. Myers Leonard wasn't on the floor. 
I mean, they lost a lot of pieces. And don't forget about Mr. Mello. The real Mello, of course. We're talking about Carmelo Anthony. Yeah, the real Mello. The real Mello. I mean, as of now. We'll see if that changes here. But, I mean, this team needs a little bit more firepower. And we saw what a little bit of firepower can do. We just, <laughs> we're talking about two of the teams that were at that same spot where Portland is. Spent a little bit of money. Upgraded a little bit, and now they're battling for the Larry O'Brien Trophy a couple years later. And I think once Portland makes that step, they're going to get there. I think they can get there. I'm not going to say they will get there. I'm not going to be that outrageous, but I think they can get there, and I think they are able to um, under the right coaching and the right players around them. But I think they got to make that splash first, and I don't know if that's necessarily going out and getting a guy that is going to be a free agent coming up. I mean, obviously, we're going to have these discussions for a while because and we're going to have speculation 50-50 that he's going to leave or he's going to stay. And, I mean, I if he was going to go anywhere, I, I think that it would be a pretty interesting fit if he wanted to go down to South Beach with Jimmy Butler. I think that would be a pretty fun to, backcourt to watch. And then you throw in a lot of that, that stud backcourt. I mean, imagine bringing Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson off the bench as well as you got dame and jimmy buckets i mean that's an extraordinary backcourt and then you can throw in some goran Dragic as well i mean i'm not sure how long he's going to last with his injury history but obviously another piece to throw in the puzzle but i mean they can bring in they could bring in some guys around him and i mean Giannis was considering south beach for a little while there i mean he took a couple trips there in free agency before he ultimately settled in milwaukee but I mean, it could be a really interesting. I mean, that team also was in the finals two years ago, so it's definitely a team to consider, especially with a good head coach like Eric Spolstra. So going to be a really interesting thing to watch. I personally would love Dame to stay in Portland, but if they don't supply him and uh, Chauncey with those type of big players to to put into that lineup to support them, I think that he's going. he might have to make the decision to move to, in order to salvage what could be a great basketball career to a considerably, incredibly Hall of Fame-worthy basketball career. Yeah, it's it's just going to be where is where is his priorities at? Sticking with the uh, with the Blazers and trying to bring that ring to them uh, for the organization that gave him a shot, or you know, make most of still the prime of his career and try to go with a team that's going to value his uh, talents and have and you know either. He's going to be the final piece that's going to fit into a championship puzzle, or is he going to be able to get a problem with a couple of the guys that can make with together? But nonetheless, an all-star talent. Hopefully, he gets uh, he doesn't get wasted at either Portland or wherever he goes to if he decides to you know enter the enter the enter the trade. But nonetheless, all-star talent. Speaking of Brandon, all-star game in the MLB happened over the weekend. We talked about this a little bit in the intro. What a weekend, honestly. A lot of history being made. Uh, it's a crazy time, uh, but Brandon, the All-Star game, what were your thoughts on it? I think it was great. I mean, I I expected, it kind of went as I expected it. It was, it was fun. It was a little bit more low-key than a lot of the other All-Star games, which I think is cool because I think that fits the sport of baseball really well. I mean, we're not seeing t-shirt cannons every half inning and all this crazy stuff going on like we do see in a lot of the NBA games. And, I mean, the fact is, is like, I think that the the first year for the uniforms was I think a cool idea and I love the idea of them auctioning them off for charity I think that's super cool um 
But I think they might need to look at a different design for next year because I think those ones were a little. They weren't great. I think they were. I think yeah. that the the word I'm thinking of is modest, and I think that I mean they were okay. But in the end, this is also the first try, and it's always the first one's gonna usually be the worst one. So I don't think they knocked it out of the park in that department. And I think a lot of the other stuff going into the game was a little bit. Um, I wouldn't say like under under proportionate, but I think like the home run derby was awesome. I mean, Trey Mancini and Pete Alonso going at it. That was absolutely awesome. I know everybody on pretty much every baseball fan is rooting for Mancini like myself, but at the end of the day, Pete Alonso, the polar bear, that dude matches. And when you saw why he's a two time home run derby champion, but I think it was great. I think there was a lot of fun things. There's one thing I kind of wonder if we should add. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the All-Star Weekends in Japan where they actually have, like, the bunting competition. Is that something we should bring to the U.S.? I don't know. I think the small ball people should get represented because then at the end of the day, those are the guys that also build championships, too, not the guys that hit the ball 500 feet. But I don't know if the fans like watching that small ball stuff. As much. I think it would still be entertaining <laughs> to see the competition part of it, but nonetheless. That would have been sick. Shohei Otani, too, put on a show as well. I mean, he made it pretty far in the home derby. Then the next day, started the, started pitching, got the win in the All-Star game. Three batters faced, three batters down, one inning pitch, zero hits. Uh, pretty pretty good showing for him. And got the win uh, for uh, the AL uh, in the All-Star tournament or All-Star game, which was pretty sick to see. But um, I don't know if you saw, Brandon, but I know Stephen A. Smith had his thoughts on whether uh, the MLB should be happy with Shohei Otani being uh, you know, card as the face of the league right now as someone who can't speak English. I know that a lot of people agree with him, disagree with him. I don't know if you saw this yet, Brandon, but uh, what are your thoughts on, you know, making Shohei Otani and kind of pushing him to be the face of the league when, you know, he needs a translator and he can't speak uh, English and really uh, connect with the fans maybe as much uh, as someone who, who can speak uh, the English language? Yeah, this, this was something I did not expect Stephen A to say. Not going to lie. I think it was, I don't want to say a little out of line, but I think he, I think he definitely crossed some people's line. I think that a lot of people didn't like that comment, especially the people that have made the, the trek over to this country and doing the things they want to do, like Shohei is right now, going from a different country to another country to maximize his exposure and his life experience. Those kind of people aren't going to like what I said, obviously, just because of that, that attire, or I want to say that the way that Stephen A said it, as well as the, the words itself hurt, I think. And I have no problem with making Shohei Otani the, the face of MLB, and here's why. The guy is doing what kids dream to do at that level. He's doing exactly what he wants to do. He wants to be on the mound. He wants to be at the plate. He wants to be fulfilling his dream in baseball, pitching, hitting, and basically doing it all. And having him as a role model for kids to look up to as a face of Major League Baseball, they're having him as the template of dream chasing. And that's really what it's all about with getting exposure in the MLB. I think that I think that's awesome. And I think Shohei Otani is the right guy to do it. And, I mean, obviously... There are some things that you could bring up about um, that there might be other people to consider. And, I mean, obviously, the translator thing with Stephen A. Smith. I mean, it's not like it's a, a fully stupid comment. 
you know, it's not because I mean there is some reason why he said that, and I can't understand some of the reasons that he's saying as far as um, having somebody else that might be fulfilling more of, I, I guess, the American spirit from the ground up kind of a thing. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you're talking, if you're talking that, you can make the argument that who else is living the American dream more than Shohei Otani is? playing baseball in the United States at the highest level in front of everyone. And by the way, ever since he came to the league and became a star, MLB international exposure absolutely exploded. Exploded. How do you hate that? That's the question that I have. But at the end of the day, I have no problem with it, and I think he's fulfilling the American dream. And if, I mean, if he needs a translator, he needs a translator, and that's it. I think the only thing uh, that I would maybe find a problem with and this isn't even from like i guess a fan perspective it's more from like the business side of the mlb it's like to then have it where you have to get a translator it's like it's who is the uh he was a japanese pitcher uh for the red sox when they made their M- or when they made their world series run i forget who it was but it was like the year before they had to pay like three million dollars just to get just for him to talk uh uh, just for, like in, to get a translator and just for him to talk when that might not happen with, you know, English speakers and people who can, you know, speak the same language. So I can understand why it might be frustrating from like the the organization part of it where, you know, it's it kind of creates a little bit of an unfair advantage because then you can make a little bit more money off of it as the player. But I think I just don't think that's like as big of a deal to maybe like basically be like, Stephen A. Smith's point of view and say that he shouldn't be the face of the league for that reason. But I can see why it might be a little bit frustrating, but I think it's great for the game. It's something that everybody drews up. He's an absolute specimen of athleticism. He's like 6'6". He can chuck it a three di- triple digits. He can hit a hit an exit veal of like 110. That's unheard, that's unheard of for a pitcher. That's like crazy. Babe Ruth definitely wasn't doing that back in the day, but it's just stuff that's like crazy that you wish you could do that someone actually can, and now that he's he may not be an American-born MLB player, but regardless, that's great for the sport of baseball, and it's great for the organization of the MLB, and it's great for the worldwide uh, you know enjoyment of baseball. Yeah, and I think the another argument is like a lot of the players from it that are dominating this league aren't necessarily all from the United States as well, and I think the 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 bottom line I think is. Um, with this type of um, this type of argue, I don't, I don't want to say argument, but this discussion, I think, is more improved because I think that I don't think we have a, a problem with saying that there are other people that are that might be just as suitable for the face of baseball. I mean, I, 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 I mean, obviously, you can make an argument for Mike Trout because he's been the number one player for pretty much the last ten years. So the fact is, like, it's pretty much been a year that Shohei Otani has just been this to this on everybody else and making that argument sure I mean at that moment of time that emotional attraction to what he's been doing I was like yeah let's make him a star because this is great I mean it's great marketing uh, everybody's loving him right now they love what he's doing and I mean I, a lot of these guys have come from outside the United States and I think a lot of it comes in with um, I think it could make a little bit of historical tension because, I mean, Major League Baseball has been primarily known as it was originated in the United States. It's played 
almost 90% in the United States outside of Toronto. Um, and, but you got players that are coming from Cuba, Puerto Rico, Venezuela, all over the country that are, are on the country, huh? all over the world to play in this country. And that can make a little bit of a conflicting image of, is this really Major League Baseball of America or Major League Baseball of the world? And that's really kind of what it comes down to. And we, of course, we see stuff like the World Baseball Classic that really brings it out and brings the eyes of, oh, my goodness, like this U.S. Baseball's team around the world. Yeah, you like all these players. I mean, it's like you look at the United States team and it's like, oh, like I think the All-Star game is a little bit more stacked than the team we have right now just because a lot of those players that are All-Stars coming from different places like Otani, like Tatis, all these guys. And it's pretty interesting to see. I think the guy you were thinking of, if I remember correctly, I think you're thinking, are you thinking of Yohara the, from the Red Sox pitcher or is it, uh, there's another so. guy. Uh, I think there was like, I want it. I keep thinking Matsuyama, but... That's obviously the golfer, but I it's think either it's like Matsu something Hero like... or like Matsuyama or something. I know it's like it starts with M. I know that, yeah. but I don't I'll know. I'll have to, I'll I have to look that up. But here as we'll I have keep to talking, look that up regardless. Um, but, um, another point of uh, conversation. Oh, oh, oh! I just found it. Mats, oh. Matsuyaka. That's who it was. That's yeah, Matsuyaka. That's, that's who you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, he was fantastic. I think he's yeah. He helped the Red Sox win a World Series. He was a legitimate, mm-hmm. pro, uh, huge. Huge contributor in the starting rotation. Yeah, I absolutely agree. But Only pitcher to ever win a game off a of pickoff. That is true. That is very true. But speaking right. of d- dominating forces on the hill, one of those guys in a little bit of trouble, you could say, right now. Trevor Bauer has his suspension extended due to what has been called a administrative leave due to investigations of assault allegations is what the MLB came out and said was the reasoning for extending his suspension to me right now the red flag is up this this does not look good and I don't want to go into the details on what the allegations are for if you want to know what those are you can obviously check them out on whatever sports platform you get your news from because I'm sure there's details out everywhere but there's a there's the fact that this is getting extended and it's continuing to go, and we haven't heard much from Trevor Bauer. That's been a little bit of the problem, and we know Trevor Bauer. He likes to talk. He talks a lot, and he has no filter. He's not saying much right now about these allegations. He's not denying them. He's not going with, oh, yeah, this is all just a a big old joke and whatever. Like, he's not said anything. That's a red flag. Bauer usually says something on any situation he's brought up in, regardless. And he's not said anything. And this is starting like to heat up July 9th. And from the diet we're recording, that was a week ago. So now that we're getting extensions of suspensions, we're not hearing anything. Major League Baseball is coming out and saying now they're considering him getting suspended for even longer, that they're going to be taking his pay away. All this sort of stuff is really bringing a red flag. And right now it is not looking good for the Dodgers, Trevor Bauer, or Major League Baseball altogether. Yeah, it's for him to not really make any statements yet is pretty concerning, especially just the magnitude of the situation and the magnitude of the allegations that he has against him. It's not a it's not a topic and it's not a situation that should go over lightly. It's got to be something that's really got to be hammered home to be, you know, fixed and ha- have the situation cleared up. Because if 
it's just a situation where you don't like really like to talk about it. But if someone, especially of Trevor Bauer's magnitude in the league right now, the ace hurler, like if he's if he did that and stuff, he really needs to be have he needs to have some type of uh you know repercussions for his for his actions. And if that means you know getting him off the team, or if that means just a termination of his contract or of him not playing anymore, I mean that's got to be done because this is this is a an event that's that shouldn't have happened, and it's something that he he just I don't know. I'm at a loss for words just because he he really messed up, honestly. Yeah, and I mean this isn't just like a, a, a it does not sound like just a normal like oh it's an allegation it could have happened or could not like they're saying something happened and somebody brought up in the the I believe it was the 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 lead investigator for. Um, I believe it was the the county police department or the the city police department, whoever really got the scoop on this situation, saying like criminal charges are being considered against Trevor Bauer. Like that's that's not good. <laughs> that's straight to no. the point saying something happened. Like we know something happened. And once again, here's the biggest thing to me: Trevor Bauer's mouth is shut. When that happens, something's really rattled him, or there's something seriously wrong. And I know both of those exact statements meant the exact same thing, and that's the point I'm trying to make, that something happened and something bad is going to result of this. And it's not going to be good for the Dodgers. And I, I really feel, I, I mean, this this hurts baseball fans everywhere because, I mean, a lot of people love Trevor Bauer. They love They yeah. love the spirit that he is, the guy that talks the talk, and he walks the walk. And he gives you the unfiltered life of, being an MLB pitcher the way that he is. And it's really it's really such a different um, type of aspect that makes him a fan favorite. He's a trash talker. Um, he's a guy that will pretty much do anything in the book to prove his point and prove what he's saying is true. So it's, it's, very, it's very concerning. And I know a lot of people think, or I shouldn't say think, but they like him as his, their favorite player in some time. This one incident can change all of that, and it can change a player's career. We hate to see that happen to a guy with star set of talent like Trevor Bauer. Mm-hmm. And especially when you look at it, I mean, with any, like, pro athlete, you're adored by so many people, especially children and kids that, you know, might not understand the magnitude of the situation. But especially today with, I mean, everybody and their mother has phones. It doesn't matter if you're a two-year-old. You'll have a phone shoved in your face. These kids will start to kind of see the see the see the I mean the magnitude, and they'll be able to see the stories. And what are they going to think, and what are they going to be exposed to when they realize their favorite player has done a really heinous act? And how are they going to react to it when they're at such a young age that they might not understand the magnitude of the situation? But you know, you're you're especially being that type that magnitude of player, you have a responsibility to stay out of you know stay out of the headlines when you have this much effect on especially kids i don't know it's just something where trevor bauer he really needs to understand that i think especially now he needs to understand that everything he does it just doesn't affect him it affects people you know the people around him and especially the basically the future of future generations too that look up to him especially in the game in the game of baseball because they're going to be growing up some of them will grow up to be that uh, that type of person where They'll have the, all that fame, all that glory, and that much attention on them. And if they see their favorite players doing stuff that they're not supposed to do, 
it might happen again, and that's something that just can't just can't work out. Yeah, it's it's very unfortunate. We'll obviously be tracking this as we go on, and probably give you an update later in the summer. And it's gonna, I mean, this could this could wreck the Dodgers' run. It really could. I mean, this team's been good, but I mean, they haven't been keeping up with San Francisco, and San Diego's right behind them. And I fully am on board of the Padres train because I think that team is rolling heads held high no looking back right now and Dodgers are gonna have to step it up especially if they're gonna be losing arguably their number one in the rotation so it's gonna be interesting but last subject here in Major League Baseball um something that I think a lot of people are wondering what will happen as far as some of these new changes and I think one thing is for sure that I have stapled in my mind is uh Robert Manfred is now the worst <laughs> yep yep uh, he's yeah. the worst he's the worst sports commissioner in the united states right now i'll go out and say it right now and i don't really feel like that this what what's going on with some of these changes are um bad things but like i don't understand the the methods behind what is going on i mean i think the 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 extra inning idea was good I don't think it's might might not be the permanent solution. I personally like to let it play out the way it always has been, the historical way. Let's just keep playing extra innings and let's keep going because I think that's just the way that we should roll, but the the part about this that makes me upset is like the changes that he's talking about, he's not talking about that. Like he's saying, "Oh yeah, these this could probably be a thing." And nobody wants it to be a thing. But instead it's, "Oh, well, defensive shifts make it so much harder for people to get on base. Let's take them away. It's like, well, that's kind of smart baseball. I mean, I'm not going to say yeah. like... It's uh, strategy. Yeah, I'm not going to say like Joey Gallo is a terrible hitter, but I mean, Joey Joey Gallo is a if guy can't that... Learn to, if you can't learn to take an outside pitch to the left side or to the opposite yeah, side, like... And, and we're not saying he can't do that. I'm not saying that at all. I've seen it. I mean, he goes oppo taco a lot as well, but I mean he's a guy that you can shift on because he pulls the ball a lot. There's a lot of other guys in the league that were like that as well, that really were pull happy hitters. I mean, I think Josh Hamilton would be also one that you could consider up there. And of course there's many others that I 90% of the lefties in the league, they pull 90% of the time. Sure. Yeah. And I mean, why, why are we getting rid of those? And I think the seven inning double hitters, I mean, I can get a little bit more along with because it's like, I'd like to just, Make why mate and why shorten it and make them all nine, but then again at the end of the day, like I think the seven inning double header shouldn't go away, but they should be used at the right time. Just because, I mean, if it's a game where you're you're having a weather delay when you're supposed to have a double header start at four and start at start at seven, like yeah, you want to get those games in, but at the end of the day, it's like yeah, we we have to get them in as fast as possible because of the weather or because of just the, the natural way the schedule works out because we want to have more games. We want to have fans have more experiences to watch games and we want to have them get the most as possible. And if that means shortening it up, I can make understanding with it. I'd personally like two, two, nine, two, nine inning double headers regardless. I think that's what the players want. Cause of course play more baseball, it's more fun. But yeah. Just the fact that we're considering some of those things and he comes out and Mr. Manfred, I'm sorry that I'm, ranting on you but i'm not sorry at the moment because like it's just not the the right solution and i i mean i know i'm not the only one that thinks he's bad i mean 
people at the end of or people at the MLB draft this weekend at All Star at All Star break in the first round. They let him know they don't like him either. He pretty much got booed harder than Roger Goodell, and that's saying something. So, I mean, I think the Roger Goodell booing now has become kind of more of a. Um, it's pretty much kind of become more of a pattern. You know, it's kind of just fallen into the line of how the culture of draft day goes. It's tradition, but that Manfred hatred was same true at then at the MLB draft, and it's because of stuff like this. The changes that are being made aren't the right ones. Yeah, uh, especially with this. Like, I guess it's more for like the casual viewer of baseball. You. A lot of people think baseball is boring, so I think when it gets to extra innings into the ninth inning, a lot of people are already bored. I mean, you see people leaving at the sixth inning anyways. So to try to speed up the game a little bit, to some sounds like a good idea, but to the ones that actually love watching baseball, and especially the extra inning baseball, where it's literally just the emotions are running, it's it's a it's a dogfight and it's an endurance match of who can last out longest and who can you know not make mistakes and really have the stamina to last long enough when you toss in that it's like you're really I feel like you're angering a lot more people than you're making happy because the people that are keeping baseball where it's at especially since baseball I mean to not not even sure it's not as popular as it once was I mean basketball and football are taking it over and to see the people that are keeping it where it's at especially in the publicity it's like why would you make them angry in that point and also just like there's just th- things that make no sense, like you said with the with can with banning the shifts on on players. Why? What's the point of that? I don't get that at all. That's strategy. That's a team's like, risk they're willing to it take. Makes, it's just like it's just like okay, I'm no no intentional walks because people like seeing home runs, so no intentional walks at all. It's strategy. If Shohei Otani comes up in the in the sixth inning and the team's down by five. And he comes up with a base loader or three or two men on, and you say, okay, we're gonna intentionally walk him because we got two outs. Hopefully, we can get a ground out or pop out the next one up. It's like, then you'd have to ban that because it makes no because it's basically the same thing because you're you're not giving the fans what they want, and that's to see a show Shohei bomb or something or to see a base hit through the shift. It just gets annoying because once you ban the shifts, then it's like, what else are you gonna ban? Are you gonna ban the intentional walks? Are you gonna ban you know? teams like only bringing in a left-handed pitcher to face a left-handed batter like for one at bat are you going to do that too where does the line stop and i'm not saying it's going to be like egregious that fast but over the next 10 20 years especially for how long manfred is going to be in the office of 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 being the commissioner how how many changes is he going to make that's going to be that one are just going to be terrible and they're going to be hard to, to to reverse back when he decides to go or what's going to really stick because Everything that he brings up so far as changes and, you know, modifications to the league, it doesn't sound good, especially to me, especially to you, especially to a lot of baseball fans that love to watch the game. It's stuff that I feel like he's like, oh, well, if we do this, then we can get new players or new fans to watch the game. But in retrospect, he's not really thinking it through because it's not going to be, it'll be all right, but it's not going to be anything big. I don't know. It's Manfred is just someone who I think is quite honestly the worst commissioner. Out of all the major league sports, worst commissioner. Yeah, it's it's super super sad to see. But um, let's get on a bright note, Joe. Let's talk to the people about Podstock here. Um, Bulldog Radio's music podcast is 
it's I can guarantee you it's much better than Robert Manfred and that you should go check it out on Spotify, Apple, or Anchor, wherever you get your podcast. And I would love to talk more about this whole I would love to keep going on the topic of why Robert Manfred is bad, but at the end of the day, like I, I we we got more we got more show to do and we'll obviously talk on it later, but we yeah this this subject's not going to end leave unturned we're going to discuss this again but moving into the nfl now i think this is going to be a really interesting segment here we're talking the top 50 players according to pro football focus we're going through them and giving our thoughts on which ones are good and which ones are which ones are not so good so starting off obviously with 50 here we got Dak Prescott from um, the Dallas Cowboys being the first quarterback in the top 50, I should say, from the bottom. You got Levante David, Marcus Williams, James Bradbury, Tarani Stanley, and Stephon Diggs labeled at 45. Is this too low for Mr. Diggs, Joe? I don't know. I think maybe he could be in the 30s, but like he he hasn't done a whole lot. I mean, the Bills, he has been one of the main focuses for the Bills wide receiving core, but it's nothing that he's, like, been able to really take over and, you know, push them to the next level. Of course, he's been able to do well and mesh well with Josh Allen so far, but he just hasn't really moved a spots. He will really have to be a game changer that can just get the ball at any time and just take over the game and really get a touchdown if they need, get a first down, which he has the capabilities to, but it's just I don't think he's at that point to to get up into up over some some wide receivers and especially some other players that kind of have that uh, capabilities to take over a game that he just hasn't gotten yet. Yeah, and I honestly like right now on the courtesy of what we're talking about in 2021, I'll tell you that I think that the guy right now above him at Michael Michael Thomas at 40. Four, that should be flipped. I think Stefan's better right now in 2021. I think Michael Thomas is a better player, but as far as going into 2021, like I'm picking, if I have to pick the two, like I'm picking Diggs because there's a lot more question marks right now with Michael Thomas. And I will say that that can obviously change. I, I can obviously flip back to Michael Thomas. I think he's a fantastic player. I think that he's one of the best wide receivers in the game. But right now, like Stefan Diggs had his best career season in buffalo like it was it wasn't even close it seemed like he was a rejuvenated guy both mentally and physically and he showed it especially with a guy like josh allen and it's gonna be really interesting to see him by the way michael thomas doesn't have his favorite quarterback anymore he's gonna have to work with jameson Taysom. so i think that's gonna be interesting uh taron armstrong of 43 the Paiu bouncer as he's called i love that graphic right there uh grady jarrett defensive lineman from atlanta John Johnson making the top 50, I love that. I think he's the best, or one of the best safeties in football. I won't say the best, but I think he's the smartest safety in football. Let's go with that. I think he's one of a guy that can do everything, and he mm-hmm. does everything super well, and I think that was a huge snatch from uh, by Cleveland. I really wish he would have stayed with Jalen Ramsey in L.A., but at the end of yeah. the day, I think he's a great selection there. But Josh Allen at 40, Alvin Kamara at 38 just underneath AJ Brown at 39. I I'm going to I'm going to keep looking at this list, but should Kamara be higher already even though we haven't seen who's above him? 39 seems a little low. Oh no, there's when I looked over the list before, not to spoil anything, but like 
when I looked over the list before, there were some players who I definitely thought should be lower on the list that I think were just there because of how their team did, and they just had a pretty good year uh, to add on to that fact. But, I mean, Alvin Kamara, I think, should be a lot higher. I mean, he had a couple of games, especially last year, he had that one five-touchdown game. He had other games where he'd have two or three touchdowns. He was a takeover player for the Saints, so I think at least maybe two two or three spots at least, but I don't know if if he should be up in the 20s. I don't know if he's that high caliber of a player, but at least maybe he got snubbed out of uh, a solid handful of places. Yeah, by the way, Captain Comerica, best football, fantasy football team last year in our collaboration fantasy football mm, league. Turned down for a while, it was pretty good. Turned down for uh, a while, it was pretty that, good. That team was pretty good, too. Well, um, AJ Brown, obviously, once again, 38. Um, Nick Chubb, 37 for the Browns. I could I could make reason to flip there. I think Chubb doesn't get as much credit as he, as he deserves with Kareem Hunt there. I think if you mm-hmm. put him on a team like, um, for example... Throw him on a team. Uh, even, actually, let's just say let's say he's the lone back in Cleveland, and there's no Kareem Hunt. I think that we look at him differently because I think he holds the workhorse workload a lot better. Um, I think if you put him in a in a um, if you put him in an offense like Denver, give him the rock, heavy heavy aggressive run, pretty much straight nose powerhouse football. I think that you see it a lot differently. So I, I think you could make argument there, but um, Bryce, uh, speaking of Denver, obviously uh, Bryce Callahan um, coming in at 36, Julio Jones at 35, just coming into Tennessee. Is Julio deserving to be above AJ Brown? Um, I think so. I mean, he was injured. Mo- wasn't he injured like most of the time last year? Like he couldn't really play. Yeah, I have, like, I think, obviously, like, we've had our, our discussions on the show about how high Julio Jones should be on the top receiver charts, if you need to check that episode out. Um, I believe it's in our trailer, actually, that bit. Um, let's just say me and Joe didn't agree on that, but I, I think the injury, I think the injuries are, are a concern because he's been, it's been like that for a while now. And, I mean, he's been on the limb basically half his season, half the season's, Half his career. It's been like, it's just sad to see like injuries have taken him out of full seasons because he could put up monster numbers. I mean, we saw it when he got that single game record at 360 yards. And yeah, he's a force on the field that definitely deserves um, a new start. I think this is going to be really interesting, but I'm really, I'm really interested to see um, who's mm-hmm. going to be higher on the list as far as these caliber players. But uh, Alan okay. Robinson, speaking of pass catchers, above him at 34. Uh, Eric Kendricks at 33. I think he doesn't get – he doesn't – he's another guy that I think a lot of people just don't know about, frankly. But, I mean, he he's he's an absolute brute uh, in the front seven for Minnesota, and that's been a reason why they've been a very good defense. Harrison Smith, wow, we are rolling with the Vikings right now, 32. Cam Hayward for 31. Christian McCaffrey at 30. I disagree. I, think I agree, too. I agree with your disagreement. I think, it's just, I think it's just because of the just because of the injury last year. Because mm-hmm. he is definitely he is on honestly, he's on I think he could be on par with Derrick Henry. For how, that's where I think he'd be at. I think, I think he could get be, more yards than Derrick Henry in a season. I think they're going to be combating for one and two running back this year, definitely. 
Yeah, I think if you give McCaffrey and Derrick Henry full seasons, McCaffrey earns more yards. 100%. I could go to... Yeah. I love Derrick Henry. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he. I, I really wish I would have drafted him last year, but then again, I got Camaro. But at the same time, it was like either of those guys would have been great options, but... I mean, McCaff- yeah. I mean, McCaffrey owners really just had a struggle when it came to fantasy because he just couldn't play, and it was just really sad to see. But um, I, 100%, he needs to be higher. I think we can all agree with that. Uh, Marlon Humphrey at 29 from the Ravens. Tackle Ryan Ramschek. I think he deserves to be up there. I think he's, he's pretty much changed that Saints running game and gave Kamara and Latavius Murray a lot easier time. Nick Bosa at 27. I think I wonder if his brother is up in the top twenty. Dalvin Cook, another running back at twenty six. Uh, Miles Garrett at twenty five. Trent Williams at twenty four. Justin Simmons at twenty three. Just signing with Denver. I don't know. That's gonna be. Uh, I'm I'm really excited to see how that group goes. And there's Joey Bose at twenty one. Russell Wilson at twenty two. We haven't seen very many quarterbacks. Joe is Russell Wilson a top no. ten guy or a top twenty guy? I think he's perfect where he's at. I mean, I, a couple years ago, I think it would have been top 10. He had MVP caliber uh, season, uh, like, like last couple seasons. But um, I think I think he's good where he's at. Maybe switch him up three or four spaces. Uh, I, I forget who's in front of him. But I think he's in a pretty good spot for where he's at. Yeah, I could even make an argument that some of the guys below him, for example, I would I – would, I could make a strong, strong argument that a guy like Ryan Ramschek should be higher up on the board, but obviously not everybody loves putting tackles that high. Um, I'll be interested to see if there's a couple other offensive linemen up here, but yeah, I think that I think that's a fair, a fair placement of him. Fred Warner at number 20, Chris Jones at 19 for the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill, Cheetah at 18. And DeAndre Hopkins at 17. Are these two guys where they belong, or should they be higher or lower? I think D-Hop should be a little bit higher. D-Hop's arguably the best wide receiver in the league. I think he it probably is the best wide receiver in the league right now. So I, especially with his talent, gotta be gotta be at least top 10 or 12. Like I think he should be at least a couple spots higher. Okay, I think I could. I think both of these guys should be probably a, maybe a smidge higher, but I would love to see the the way that the rest of this list goes out. Uh, number Okay, I'm going to draw the line right here. 16 is way too low for Jalen Ramsey. I'm sorry. This guy deserves to be higher on this list. He's been the guy. Yeah. Like, he's the Jaylen closest. Jalen Ramsey locked thing. up everybody. He's the guy that's been the closest to Rivas Island ever since Darrell Rivas pretty much left his prime and left the league. Jalen Ramsey has been the guy that has dominated in the defensive backcourt of this National Football League, and he deserves to be oh, yeah. higher. 16 is way too low, and I'm interested to see if they put... Um, I, I'm going to sneak peek. Oh, oh no. Okay, I have, a problem. I have a problem with Jair Alexander on top. I'm not saying Alexander's a bad player. I think Alexander just has a little bit of... I don't want to say, like, he had a great year last year, don't get me wrong, and he's had a fantastic career, but the impact he makes in games is a lot differently than Jalen Ramsey does because, I like, Jair Alexander takes on different assignments than Jalen Ramsey does, and the Packers run that scheme differently 
than the Rams do. So I think that Alexander gets put in a little bit better positions to succeed as far as your scheme goes. Don't get me wrong. I think Jolly Alexander is number two cornerback, but the impact that Jalen Ramsey makes, I think is, is I think that deserves him to be flip flop with Jair Alexander and maybe even a little bit higher towards 10. I think that, I think that's where he truly belongs. I agree. But yeah, David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander's teammate at 15, Zach Martin at 13 for the Cowboys. Okay. Derrick Henry, like we mentioned earlier, 12 with the Titans. Uh, King Henry, of course. TJ Watt at 11. Aaron Rodgers cracking the top 10. Is I this too low? Yeah, is this too – that's right about I think, there? I think that's – there's a couple of players that are definitely better than him, but he's his just consistency, I think, is keeping him at that spot, which I think top 10 is def, – he's definitely deserving the top 10, but I think – the the outskirts of it is is right where he's right where he should be. Yeah, I think I think overall, at the scheme of how this list will probably play out, as it is kind of I'm trying to preview it in my head really quick, but the I think that is a good number for him. I think that it's gonna slip if he doesn't play, just because of the fact that it's like oh yeah he didn't play, so he's probably not gonna come back as good. So we'll put him a couple spots lower. But Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers MVP guy who won a super bowl we obviously want to see more from him because we know he can but i think i think that that's a good spot for him number nine george kittle a little tight end love i love it but that's going to be interesting because there's another tight end that's not on the list just yet so i guess they might like the other one better bobby wagner at eight tom brady at seven Ooh. okay that's very interesting that Tom Brady's at seven. Does he deserve top five based on his seven rings? I I don't know. Here's the thing, because he's definitely not in his prime anymore. But yep. his ability to command the field, I think, is the reason that he's within the top ten. Because if you just go off his ability, his throwing and his accuracy, or his, his field general abilities, like being able to command the field, are unmatched. I think he's the best at probably, I wouldn't say to ever, ever play the quarterback position for that certain area of being a quarterback, but he's definitely with it with, you know, Joe Montana, a lot of the other good quarterbacks, but his arm strength is not as good as it once was. It still is very good. It's not as good as it once was, but his accuracy is still there. So I don't, I think his IQ and his ability to command the field is what's keeping him at seven. I think if, I think honestly, I think Aaron Rodgers should be. It should be like Katie Corner. They should be like ten and nine or nine and ten, flip flop ah, between the two okay. of them. I, I think he might be a little bit too. I mean, two spots isn't a whole lot, but I think move him back a little bit. But I think he's definitely deserving of the top ten. Okay, I think that's. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment. I think there will be some people that would put him in the top five based on the rings, but I. I know. I think. I. I agree. I think that looking at where they have him on this list now at seven. I'm going to say I think Bobby Wagner is fantastic. I think what you I think what I would personally do is put Bobby Wagner down at I think I'm going to put Bobby Wagner down at 10 and then I'm going to slide Rodgers up to 9, Tom Brady to 8 and then I'm going to slide George Kittle up to 7 because George Kittle like the dude is fantastic and I think he deserves to be closer to his partner that is up at number three, and that's Travis Kelsey. That I, Travis Kelsey at three is very ambitious for me, and I'm not saying that I think it, he deserves to be a little bit lower. 
And I think it's, I think it's kind of how this list played out because I think Kelsey has more lore than Quentin Nelson, obviously. Quentin Nelson, I think, should honestly could be number three in my book because that guy has been dominant for how many years? And is like you look at the Indianapolis running backs, Marlon Mack, and now you got Jonathan Taylor coming in, Naheem Hines. These guys aren't star-studded primetime. Your what you would, we would no. call five-star elite running backs, and they're leading tops of the charts because of an offensive line led by that guy. And I think that's well deserving. Um, Iron Rodgers' favorite target at number five, and Devontae Adams, and then Khalil Mack, the Raiders trade catastrophe piece, is at number six. I think that that one is also fair. Um, going into the top two. Oh boy. Okay. I don't know. Joe, is Mahomes one or is Donald one? Hmm. That's, but that's the thing though. There's such different aspects of the game that they play, you know? Yeah. I, I think, I think Mahomes should be one for, okay. for how much he has to, for just how good he is at a position and how good he had and how much stuff he has to do with Donald. He's a, definitely a commander on the defensive side, but his job is to, I'm going to sack the quarterback. I got to get through and sack the quarterback. Mahomes has to want, has a million different things. His mind is going a million miles an hour, but he's able to slow it down and make the right decisions almost every time. And that's the reason he's getting paid, you know, half a billion dollars in his contract. So I think Mahomes should be definitely be one. It should be flip-flopped. If, yeah, because Mahomes two right now, right? Yep. Donald just put a number one on this list. I think that should definitely be flip-flopped just because of the the game that they have to – the difference of the game that they have to play within the like within football. Because it's definitely two different spots with two very different responsibilities and stuff that it entails. But it's just the quarterback position and how well Patrick Mahomes plays it. That's got to be able to put him over the top of Donald. Yeah. I I could I could see that point there. I think personally I'm gonna I I think I'm actually gonna agree with this with Aaron Donald being number one and the reason why is I think Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL by a wide margin just because I love I just absolutely love the tools that he uses and the fact is like he's been the most dominant quarterback in this league over the last three seasons. There's no doubt about it. I mean Tom's been winning Super Bowls, but. Mahomes has been the best, greatest thing to enter football so far in the in the, in this twenty twenty in decade. a long so, time. But Aaron Donald, I don't. I think a lot of people like true NFL fans know how destructive Aaron Donald is. I mean, he the dude is just an absolute beast. He's gonna break through any line that's possible, and any team that you talk to or hear about preparing to play the Rams is saying. We're trying to invent 10 ways to stop Aaron Donald. And it's not the defensive line. It's not the front seven that's very lethal. It's not the defensive backfield that's absolutely a wrecking machine with Jalen Ramsey and crew. You're talking about Aaron Donald. And the fact is there's nobody like him on the defensive front that you can compare to him. He's not even close. He's a single-man wrecking machine, and there's really nobody close to him. And I think that's what makes him the most valuable player on this list and deserving of the number one ranking. I love Mahomes, but I think the quarterback position is, I don't want to say oversell because it's super important. I think that they deserve it to be higher than a lot of the other positions just based on what their job description is as a quarterback. They're basically the coach on the field and what they do pretty much wins, loses games. But at the fact, Aaron Donald is just undeniably better at that position 
by such a long shot that it's not even close. And it's the such consistency, a wide margin, yeah. Yeah, I think that I think that's what makes him a more valuable aspect compared to Mahomes, who could be argued up there with guys like Rodgers and Brady. Because you can't you can't categorize anybody next to Donald in my mind. And I think that's why he gets number one. I understand that. For I sure. get that. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's very well. Um, looking into kind of talking a little bit about fantasy here and there with coming up. Um, in this season um some guys to look out for joe i know some of us have some fantasy drafts coming up <laughs> myself um, tomorrow um but i i'm super excited about this year because i think there's there's so many guys that you can put on the list to watch uh, what are some of your guys or some of your guys that you're going to be putting on your board that you're looking forward to snagging for your team joe um i'm definitely gonna try to look at uh, I think Julio Jones, the new the new situation with the Titans is going to be something that's going to be refreshing for him. I think he's definitely going to be valued a lot more. Uh, not saying that he wasn't valued with the Falcons, but I think with just the last couple seasons, he hasn't had the same type of uh, the t- same amount of targets as he should be able to be getting uh, with that organization. So especially with him and uh, Derrick Henry, that kind of one-two punch, both air and air and ground combo, I think it's going to be good watching out for him. Uh, I not to be a homer, but I'm definitely going to be watching out. I don't know if I'll draft him, but definitely going to be watching out for Matt Stafford with that new situation with the Rams. I think that's going to be able to, he's going to be a, I think a sleeper pick for a lot of, a lot of uh, fantasy teams that I don't think a lot of people are going to be looking for. I think when season comes along and like those, those insiders, the, the, the fantasy football shows that we see on TV, they might be talking about him a little bit, but that's one guy I'm definitely looking out for. And, uh, Again, not to be a homer, but Hawkinson. Hawkinson last year played extremely well. Hopefully Dan Campbell just beats him constantly because tight ends out of Iowa are a different breed in the NFL. I'm hoping that he keeps on continuing the, the way that the upward path that he's going, and he's going to be a solid pickup for the tight end position. Yeah, I think that Hawkinson's a guy that's certainly going to be a big target up in the draft board just based on uh, what he can do and I mean the Saints love tight ends and who loves tight ends more than Dan Campbell in this offense especially with a yeah. guy like Hawkinson you know he's going to get a massive workload this year so I think that's a good one to look out for um, some I think some other guys that I'm going to be looking at um, I'll go a little bit farther down the radar um, as far as later rounds for for targets I think one guy that I know personally I love watch playing I hate the team that he's on because I think he needs to move um, a couple five hours up, up or not five hours, uh, two hours over to over to the east. But uh, Darnell Mooney is a guy that I think is a really interesting guy to target later in drafts this year, and he's not going to be up there with um, guys like his teammate Allen Robinson or uh, a lot of these guys. You could mention some of Matthew Stafford's new targets as far as Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. He's not going to be that high, but. He's getting going to get a workload this year. I think that moving on from Anthony Miller, based on what we've seen so far out of Darno Mooney last year, is a great move. Because I think Mooney is the guy that can truly become that speed wide out at the number two. They got Daz Newsom coming in, but he's not going to be as an immediate threat as Darno Mooney. I think Darno Mooney deserved more targets last year. I think he's going to get him this year. And if you got a guy like Justin Fields, then and that's going to be taking snaps under center. I think that speed is going to kill in that offense, and hopefully our secondary is ready for it because if that does happen, I'm going to be a little bit nervous, not going to lie. But um, another, I guess, a deep sleeper that I'll be looking at 
um, is going to probably be, honestly, I'm going to be looking at Michael Carter a little bit. And Mike Carter, obviously, um, for the people that don't know, uh, one of the absolute beautiful duos we saw in college football last year in North Carolina, along with, um, <coughs> excuse me, um, Javante Williams. Uh, he is going to be, I think he's, there's a no brainer that he's going to take over that Jets offense. And as far as the running back room, pretty light now. I mean, you got LaMichael Perrine, but I don't think he's the guy. I don't think that Le'Veon Bell was really a great choice to go after in free agency when they did a couple years ago. Like this is his job to win. I know they got a couple other guys are looking at former Lions running back. Ty Johnson's kind of stuck in there a little bit. But Michael Carter's an explosive guy, and I think him bringing him in with a guy in their center like Zach Wilson is going to make this team better. And I'm really excited to see the workload that he gets because I think that's going to be a huge perspective going into the season, getting a guy that's probably going to be a 10th to 12th round draft pick that's going to get first touches 100% of the time in this offense that's still developing. So what other, what other great pick than having a high upstart running back later in rounds that's going to get a lot of touches early on? Mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah i think there's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see i mean there's other guys as well that i think you could make an argument for comeback seasons odell you might be able to see a great season coming out of him because he's basically due for one especially in this offense that is getting better each and every year it seems like the team's getting even better every year but it's gonna be super exciting and we're so excited for fantasy football because it's almost here um, and if you want to check out more of our fantasy football, well, of course, you're going to have to stay tuned on the Bulldog Radio channel um, for our annual collaboration that will likely be coming up soon with our fantasy football draft that I'm sure we'll be doing. Uh, we will get the details out sure. to you as soon as possible, but stay tuned. We're going to have a lot of great time discussing fantasy on the show with our friends, of course, Barrett and Travis, who are NFL connoisseurs as for sure. But moving into our last topic of the day, it's debate time. Call your shot. And it's a dandy today. We're talking sports that are underrated to play. And I heard a little rumor from a bird, Joe, that you have a selection that's going to knock my socks off. I don't know what bird you're talking to, because I don't know if it's going to knock your socks off or anything. All right. Which Um, what is your selection? One that wait, are we doing play or watch? Let's go play. Let's go play. Play? First, yeah. One that's super underrated. What is one that's super underrated to me? I'd say one that's super underrated to play is, uh, I'd say bowling. Bowling is a super underrated sport to play. (laughs) That did knock my socks off. I was not expecting that. Because bowling, like, you could either take it really seriously and just, like, really focus and get good at it. But also, it's a fun one just to go out and have fun. I think it's, like, the best of both. Like, you can work on it to get really good and to, like, really take it seriously. Or it's just one that, like, you can just go have fun and you might have a good game where you get, like, 150 points. Something. You can run bumpers, too. No judgment. If you're a bumper gang, it's okay. Rock it proudly. But I think bowling is a really it's, – it's definitely – I think now that COVID went on and bowling wasn't as much of, like, people didn't really bowl as much. But now that it's starting to open it back up, Bowling is going to be on the rise. I guarantee it. Bowling is so underrated. I was not ready for that. That was an ex. That was such a good pick. Oh my goodness, Bump, the bowling <laughs> bumper gang. We need to like. We yeah, need actually. Bumper like, gang. If you're a bumper a, gang, we need a bumper sticker. I proudly. Of bumper gang, 
<laughs> with a bowling ball. I think that could be. We have to make that sucker trending. If you're watching this on YouTube, subscribe now. Comment on every social media platform that we have about bring the bumper gang sticker to life. That would be so funny. <laughs> okay. Uh, my pick. Sport underrated to play. Oh my goodness. I, I know this one when I heard we were talking about this, I had a little bit of a debate back and forth, pretty much about the same kind of a sport, but just the way that it's played. Um, my selection hands down, Ultimate Frisbee. 100% is my selection. I think it's one of the most fun I sports to play. 100%. Fun play. I will it tell is, you that. It's oh my goodness. To play. One of my favorite games for sure. Just the fact of how the game's played, just how fast it is. And really, it's like, to me, it reminds me of football, but everybody can play at, at, a, like, at a sustainable level that will be fun, but not too strenuous compared to like what football is. And you have to have, like, anybody can go out with, you could be playing with a church group. You could be playing with hardcore disc, uh, like athletes, like you can play it. Uh, just with your friends, like throwing a frisbee around, and then it just naturally turns into a game. It can be as competitive, nonchalant as you want, but it is such a fun sport to play, and you get so much elements in with the physicality of the sport, and then you throw in the twists of a physics of a frisbee, and then it just gets even better. And all the things that you can do, if you've ever watched the American um, Ultimate Disc League, oh my goodness, it is just, it's one of those you sit down and you just marvel at how hard, awesome man. it is. They go mad hard. It it goes. It's super that, fun to good, watch. A good game of frizz is is it's a it's a good time. Ultimate frisbee is pretty fun, especially if you I get would, the right group with you. It's it's a I I I wasn't expecting that either. Ultimate frisbee is a fun one. That is a good one. Um, so we're now going over to watch really quick. Which ones are best underrated to watch? We talked. I think you know where I'm going. This brand lacrosse. I've been getting into the ah, premier yes. lacrosse one. league lately. The Premier Lacrosse League is pretty sick. I never oh, really yeah. watched lacrosse before, but like, just the way it's like a mix of—I don't even know how to explain what watching lacrosse is like. But it's crazy how like much how good of hand-eye coordination you have. It's like you have a mix of football with the jukes and being able to get around people. You have the physicality of hockey because I'm like some some hits are allowed. They're not like crazy big hits, but like there's contact, and then it's like. You got guys that are swinging their sticks at people. They're hitting them with their sticks really hard. I'm like, what the heck? That's crazy. But I think lacrosse is really underrated for how, how fun it is to watch. Because I think, especially just, like, you don't really see it on a lot of, uh, like, you'll see it on, like, Big Ten Network or, like, the specialized, like, uh, conference network that, like, year-round or whatever every once in a while. But when you actually watch it, like, big games, like national championships, like the pro league games or something like that, it gets really heated. It gets really entertaining to watch. And it's just crazy to see these guys who can throw the ball, like, 100 miles an hour out of their out of their pocket and their lacrosse stick. And to be able to just move around as well as they do, it's crazy. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, I know I was introduced to, um, to lacrosse, like, competitive lacrosse um uh, with the relation of paul rabel because i had seen a couple of videos that he had done with some people that uh, i follow on youtube uh like brody smith and dude perfect and those guys and paul rabel was a guy that really kind of explored into the le- idea of whoa why is why don't we have professional lacrosse like it's a it's a very popular sport in some places and 
Um, obviously, I mean, Joe, where we come from, it was not introduced at the high school level. But if it was, I know I would have certainly considered playing just because of how fun it was. Yeah. But we didn't go to huh. we didn't go to big enough high schools. We didn't go yeah. to big enough high schools to play lacrosse. Yeah, but it's still super fun sport. I would love to watch. I'd love to go watch like a live lacrosse game sometime. I mean, we could go see former NFL player Chris Hogan, who now has joined the the P uh, or hey, the, the P uh, L L the P L L right? Yeah, yeah, the P L L. Yep. You know, we're talking acronyms Premier here. lacrosse league. Yeah, I think it's more like lacrosse is more. Uh, I think it's more of like a East Coast thing because I see more like schools that are, especially for like college and stuff, like the big ones. I'm other than I think Denver is a big uh, lacrosse like school. Or that might be hockey, one of the two. But like, you only have like Maryland is really good. Notre Dame is pretty good. Uh, Duke used to be really, really good. Duke used to be really good. George Mason, I think it was when they had the two. Uh, they had a two twin brothers. Two like uh, uh, Native American brothers who were like insanely oh. good, uh, and there's a couple other schools. I might have to look it up, but like, especially like college. I think college lacrosse is more entertaining than the PLL, but nonetheless, lacrosse criminally underrated. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, my I'll wrap it up with my with my favorite one of my favorites to watch. Uh, I would I'll stay in the same I stay in the same department as I was. I think disc golf is really fun to watch, and especially at the pro level. And I think it's just because of the the I don't I I'm diversity is not the word I'm trying to use, but it's kind of describing the route I'm going. The the amount of well so, yeah variance I think is the, the more of the word I'm thinking of here. But every hole can be played differently by different players, and we see the same outcome. And these guys just do stuff that we really can do it's really impossible like i know i've tried to max out distance with distance driver i like the guys on the pro tour do come nowhere close to where they're throwing but it's just insane to me like those guys can throw these small cylinders that weigh 170 or not cylinders but basically throwing a, a dinner plastic plate. dinner plate yes that's a, a plastic dinner plate that weighs 100 to 70 to 175 180 grams and they're throwing at 550, 600 plus feet. And it's just insane. And then they have the touch to throw it in. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ended up seeing the the world championship throw in by James Conrad that won that basically led to a world championship. That thing was insane. Pretty much Is that I think the one a, that was is that the one where the guy was like super far away and he yep, did it, he two, made it to force a playoff? Yep, it was two eighty five to force a playoff. Absolutely insane. That's crazy, man. But Something definitely that, fun that to watch. To, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I catch that on like Sports Center and stuff, and I'll watch like videos about it. And like, it's I've never disc golf before. I would love to go, or I've disc golfed a couple times, but I'd love to go disc golfing. But like, just to watch it to see those guys be able to kind of like place it and just to, it's like a different way of seeing like, I don't know, just seeing like the things that are kind of more you think of backyard activities like throwing a frisbee around and seeing guys who go out and play disc golf and are really good at it. It's just something super cool to watch because they're just so much better at you, so much better at that than you probably could ever be. Yeah, I think that we now have to go disc golfing along with our. Uh, that should be another one in our live stream. We have to live stream a disc golf game. Live stream a disc golf. A golf game. Yeah. Um, I don't know. We're gonna have to make up some sort of crazy circuit of games that we're gonna have to record. Sure, for sure. Super fun. But thank you guys so much for tuning in. Don't forget to subscribe if you like this and you want to see more shows. Don't hesitate to hit that 
um, notification bell as well. Hit the subscribe button and the notification bell so you don't miss out. And also, go swing over right now. I'm going to throw you a card right now. Go up and click in the top right corner right now. Boom, magic. To go check out the Most Valuable Sports Podcast on YouTube with all of our show highlights and more. Going to be super exciting. And you get to see all the highlights of our shows, all of our great takes and all of our great laughter on there. But it's been a great show, Joe, and another great one for our fans to listen to. Always, always a pleasure to be pod, be on the pod with you, Brandon. Absolutely. But and until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>